So the scene in John 14 is the upper room. The upper room discussion between Jesus and his disciples. The end of, in chapter 13, Judas has been dismissed. He leaves. He goes out into the night and Jesus is there with the eleven. He's told them that he's going. He's told them that he's leaving them. How do they react? Well, the disciples are devastated. They're confused. They have an unholy heart turmoil about what is going to happen to them. This news that they've just received from the Lord Jesus, we know that because Jesus speaks into their situation. He speaks into their hearts his word, his word of comfort to them. He says, verse, four, verse 1 of chapter 14, Let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. Why does he say that? He says that because they are troubled, because they are disturbed in their spirit. Their world is shattered. The reality that they got used to, following their rabbi, being by his side, listening to his words, seeing his face, that was going to change. Jesus had always been there. He always knew what to say. When the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Herodians, they laid traps for him, Jesus managed to avoid them. He knew how to put it back to them. He knew how to ask the questions. He knew how to expose their real motives. Soon they will be without him. Soon they will be left alone. It's difficult for us to enter into the sandals of the disciples at this time. We've never walked with Jesus in that intimate way. We've not seen him. We've not seen the developments, as it were, in the movement forward towards the cross, all the teaching, all the day-to-day -day living with Christ as he taught them day by day. He loved them. His arms had been around them. He'd rebuked them. He'd encouraged them. He looked into their eyes with kindness. And they admired him. And they wondered more and more this man, this son of God who was with them. And they loved him more. And he says, I'm leaving you. Tonight in this passage, the Lord Jesus is preparing his disciples for the privilege of living for him without him. He wants to strengthen their faith. He wants to provide some genuine comfort for them that will make a real difference in their lives when he has gone. Jesus is supporting them. Yet really, they should be supporting him when they know what's going to happen to him. It reveals his servant heart of overflowing love for his people. He wants to stabilize them. He wants to shore them up in light of his leaving them. Maybe tonight as you, you're sitting here, you have a, 
a burden on your heart. You have a sorrow on your heart that is weighing you down. You may be full of anxiety. You may be full of trouble. You may be disturbed in your spirit. You may be fearful of the future. You may have a clouded view. You may not be able to see the future or what it holds for you. It doesn't matter where you are in life, if you're young or you're older, if you have a career or not, or where you are in your journey. You know, we all face difficulties and trials that can knock us down, maybe a change in a relationship, maybe a, another difficulty that seems to, as it were, cloud the future before us. And I trust this message will be a message of hope for you. It will bring comfort to your heart. It will be a blessing to you. It will make a real difference as you go into this new week. So we'll think about promised comfort tonight. And I have four Ps that we'll look at together from this chapter. It's a wonderful chapter. So what does he say in verse 1? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Go verse 11, he says, Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. What is Jesus after here? He's after their belief in him. He's after their trust in him. He's giving them the solution. He's saying, believe me, trust me. Don't be troubled. We trust in the same Lord Jesus, the same God that these disciples did. These words are for you and for me tonight. Sometimes it's difficult to trust God. We can be saved by weak faith. We shouldn't despise weak faith, but sometimes our faith can fail. Sometimes the wind and the waves, as it were, like with Peter walking on the water, can distract us. Or we can sink. Isaiah 26 verse 3 says, you will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you by trusting in you, by looking to you, by entrusting our hearts to you. We can find perfect peace. There are four reasons to be comforted this afternoon. Firstly, there's a place. A place. Be comforted because you have an eternal home. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. And where I am, there you may be also. So what is Jesus doing here? Well, he's giving them a long-term view. He's giving them a long-term fulfillment, promise of a home, of a future. Because it's the long-term view that provides stability for us in our faith. If you think of a yacht on the ocean and it's blown by the wind from side to side, it can capsize, it can tip. But if there's a ballast, the bottom of the boat 
It provides that weight. It provides that stability. So it's not as easy to be blown around and tossed around. There's a strength there. There's a stability. And that's what this truth, these truths, this comfort in this passage is to bring to us. When we look through the anxieties, when we look at the things that are before us, we have this promise of what is beyond it. We have a place. An eternal home. Home is the place where we should be loved for our own sakes. Not loved because of what we do or don't do. We're loved for who we are. In the world, we're valued for our gifts or our possessions or our beauty. But not in heaven. They're irrelevant to God's. God loves his people with an everlasting love. He loves them to the end. Christ loves his disciples. Christ loves everyone who follows him. And it's not about their gifts. It's not about their possessions. It's not about what they can contribute. He loves them and he loves you. If you're a believer in Christ tonight. says, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And it's a spacious place. It's a spacious place. It says there are many mansions, many mansions, many rooms. This is limitless. This place that Jesus provides for his people. It's spacious. In our bodies, we are temporary. Oh, we're temporarily living here. And, and one day our bodies will, like a tent, the ropes will be taken down and our tent will be gone. But that is the eternal dwelling here. This many mansions, this limitless place, this home, this eternal home, that Christ is providing for us, a house not made with hands, never taken down, never removed, never spoiled, imperishable, never fading away. A place for us. And it's a place for small saints. It's a place for new saints. It's a place for old saints. It's a place for all the saints. For everyone who's cleansed in the blood of Christ, Everyone received in the righteousness of Jesus Christ is a place for every one of us, every believer. The ground at the foot of the cross is level because we all need the cross of Christ. There's a place for everyone, every believer in Christ, in its many mansions. This place. The only ones who will not be there are those who've never trusted in Christ, never believed in Him, never received Him as their Savior, never trusted in His offer of forgiveness. Is that you tonight? Have you trusted in Jesus? What does the future hold for you if you haven't? It's a place for fragile saints. So often we follow Jesus imperfectly. 
and turmoil is in our hearts and anxiety. We get agitated by things. But our circumstances and fears. But Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. Don't be troubled by this. Believe in God. Trust in God. Trust in me. I have a place even for you. Even for you. I go to prepare a place for you and I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am there you may be also. And where I go you know and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus saying, you can't come yet, but you will come to this place. It's a place for you. Secondly, it's a place that's prepared. Second P is prepared. My father's house saw many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus says it two times. What does he mean? Does he mean it's in disrepair? Has he got to repair something? Has he got to DIY this new mansion that he's preparing? No, I don't think that's what it means. It's a place designed. It's a place that Christ is making ready for us. In what sense then is it not yet prepared? Well, I think there are two senses in which it was not yet prepared. At that time, when he spoke to his disciples, I think one of them is the fact that he had not yet been to the cross. He's the Lamb of God. He was to take away the sins of the world. He's the one who would redeem Israel, the true spiritual Israel. But he's not done it yet. He's the one who will bear the curse from God against our sin, the condemnation. He was the one who will be bruised by the Father. Death is still to be defeated. The devil is yet to be vanquished. He's yet to be raised from the jaws of death. He's preparing the place. He's to go through the work. He's to execute the plan and be executed for our sins. Every obstacle between us and our room in the Father's house is to be removed in the next three days. As he's hanging on the cross, bearing our sins, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace is upon him by his stripes we are healed i'm going to prepare it for you i'm going to go through this for you he says in verse six doesn't he i am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me it's through him through his work through his death through his atonement through his propitiation in Absorbing the wrath of the Father against our sins for us on our behalf. The way, the truth and the life that he prepares that place for us. I go to prepare a place for you so that there will be joy 
in my presence with you there. I will open that way. I will bring that truth to you. I will purchase that life for you at the cross. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I will prepare that way for you. So Peter and the disciples, and us as disciples tonight, we shouldn't have that turmoil and anxiety within our heart because of what he's promised us. Because of his preparation for us. Because of his love for us. We are undeserving. We who are unworthy followers. We who are imperfect. I have a place for you. I am preparing it for you. It will be ready for you. And our faith as believers tonight will be more stable and more strong in proportion as it rests in Jesus. As God entrusts him, believes in him and rests in him. He will not abandon us. He will not change his mind on us. He's gone to prepare that place for us. His work has made it ready for us. I referred to Romans this morning. It's a wonderful verse in Romans chapter 8 and verse 32 where it says this. We'll read verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. He's not spared his son for us. He's preparing the place. He prepared it in his death. We should wonder. We should praise. We should find peace in him. So a place. He's providing that place. He's preparing that place. Thirdly, his presence. His presence. Verse 3. And I go and prepare a place for you. I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. I will take you to be with myself. This place isn't a place where Christ, as it were, drops us into this place and then we never see him again. This place is where his presence is, where Jesus is in heaven. He is the essence of that place. It's the presence of Christ which makes the place the place. The immediate presence of Jesus face to face with him. I will come again and receive you to myself. Though where I am in heaven and glory, there you may be also relational. This is closeness, this is intimacy with Christ, with Jesus Christ. This is joy in his presence. This is peace with him. It's the glory of the face of Jesus Christ shining on us. Jane is a royalist. If you're not a royalist, this, this uh, illustration will not connect with you at all. But Jane is a royalist, and she's been invited to stay at Buckingham Palace. I think you can see where the illustration's going. Here at Buckingham Palace, 
She walks in. She's absolutely wowed by the entrance, by the ornate gold, by the decor, by the beauty and the grandeur of the building. And, and Jane is showed to her room in the palace. And there is the room, the glory of it. It's been prepared for her. And there's a card on the side. This is prepared for you. And this is where she will stay. But what will be the highest point of her visit to the palace? It will be to dine with the king. It will be to be in his presence. It will be to see his face. It will be to hear his voice. It will be closeness to him. The hope of the church has always been the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. We mustn't lose sight of that. That is the goal to which everything is pointing and leading. All things are yours, as we said this morning. He is the source of comfort. He is the end of the journey to be in his presence. To know the joy of the Lord, which is your strength. God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. As we read in Psalm 73, my God, my portion, my living bread. In him I live. Upon him cast my care. He saves from death, destruction and despair. To be in the presence of Christ without sin, without anything that would cloud that fellowship, spoil that fellowship. I take you to be with me where I am. There you may be also. I'll come again and take you to be with myself. Trust me, I will come for you. On Wednesday we thought about the promises of God and it was mentioned that God is the promise keeper. He always keeps his promises. He always will keep his promises. He cannot break his promises. He's the promise-keeping God. And if he says he'll come and take us to be with him, he will come. Nothing can stop him. Where I am, there you may be also. Ephesians 2 talks about the fact that we're raised from the dead spiritually and we're made to sit in the heavenly places in Christ, with Christ. Spiritually, that is our position. It's where we are. But in time, this is yet to come, to be fulfilled, to know the joy in the presence of Jesus Christ. It's like the bridegroom. Bride is ready. She's clothed in white. She's wearing a beautiful dress. She's waiting, but she knows he's promised to come. And she's longing for him to come. She wants to be with him. She wants to be in his presence. She wants to see into his eyes. She wants to be there with him. When the marriage is completed and he comes to her, there's the joy. There's the freedom. There's the peace. There's his face. There's the happiness that they will never be apart. Jesus Christ is the great bridegroom. We are the bride of Christ as a church. He will come for his brides. We are precious to him. We're clothed in his righteousness. He's beautifying us for that day.
how we should be full of love and gratitude for his presence to come. I will come again. It's one of the I wills of Christ. I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be. How many times does it say that? I will receive you, myself, I am, you, maybe also. The intimacy, the in, as it were, the fellowship with Jesus Christ. He says to his disciples, don't let your hearts be troubled. It's on the holy turmoil in your hearts about the future, the fears, and anxiety. You'll be with me again. We will meet again. I will come to you. I will come to you. Not only presence, but we have a promise here. Fourthly, a promise as well. We have a place. We have a promise. Be comforted because I will be with you always, not just at my return. Look at verse 16 where Jesus says, I'll pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. So before the return of Christ, before the promise of his coming, before we're in his immediate presence, before we see his glory in all its fullness, face to face, he says, I will come to you when I've gone, before I return. He says, I will come to you. I will come soon to you. I will send my spirit into this world. He will be your helper. He will be your comforter. He will be your strength. He will be me in you and with you to strengthen you, to help you to face the challenges in your life. Christ was going to prepare the place and die for his people. They were going to be taken one day into his presence through death, but the Spirit will help them to prepare for that day. And he helps us as well. Romans 8, verses 9 and 10, it says this. You are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to, de to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So it's the Spirit of God who is sent, but it's the Spirit of Christ who is sent. 
I will not leave you orphans. He says, I will come to you. I thought he was leaving. I thought he was going to glory. I thought he was going to prepare a place. He is, but he's coming in the person of the Spirit. The Spirit is coming into the hearts of his people, of his disciples. He is drawing near to them. He will not leave them orphans. He will come to them. He will send his Spirit to dwell in them. He'll be near you. He'll be in you. Spirit of Christ. The physical Christ is gone to prepare a place, but he's sending the Spirit to his disciples, not leaving them, coming to them. And the challenges that you might face in your life, the challenges that I face in my life, we don't face it alone. We face it with the Lord Jesus. We face it by the Spirit, with the Spirit's help within us. God's Spirit within us. When Paul had the thorn in the flesh, those words came to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. The Spirit strengthens us in our weakness. Which of us isn't weak? Which of us doesn't need the Spirit's strengthening? We all need His strengthening. We all need His help. We all need the strength the Spirit supplies to face the challenges and the fears and the difficulties and the anxieties and the health problems and the futures and the bad news that we can face in our lives. He cares about us. God cares about us. He sent His Spirit to us. We're not abandoned. We have the Spirit within our hearts. The Spirit didn't come as an observer. He came as a helper. He came as the comforter. The strengtheners. To open God's word to us. To illuminate our minds. To reveal more of the glories of the Lord Jesus for us. In the word of God. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. We trust him. And we look to him. How much more stable would our faith be? How much stronger would we be in Christ? How much more able to face the distresses and the troubles and the challenges? The promise of the Spirit. The promise of Christ returning. What can we say? But Lord, increase our faith. We not pray that sometimes, Lord, increase my faith. Help me to trust you more. Help me to believe your promises. Open these things up to me by the Holy Spirit's help. Comfort me in the truth. Comfort me with your promises. Comfort me with your presence. Comfort me with the future that you have for me. Lord, increase my faith. And tonight, let's remember that we have a long-term view. We have a Christ who loves us and will return for us. A prepared place for us because of his work on the cross. The promise of his presence of his face shining on us in the glory and the closeness that he promises. I'll be your God and you will be my people and the spirit who abides with us forever now to help us and prepare us and strengthen us and keep us going until that day when it's fulfilled. 
till the day when eternity and Christ is there in his fullness. We worship and we glorify him for what he has done. Well, may there be some help tonight in this passage for us as we meditate on it, as we pray over it. Let's pray to him now. Lord, we thank you for this wonderful passage in John 14, and we pray that you would help us to lay hold on these truths by faith, to trust in you, to believe in you, to remember that you have prepared a mansion, place of many mansions, place of your presence, a place where you are, a place without sin, a place that is glorious, a place where there is nothing that will spoil our fellowship with you, a place where there is no more distress or difficulty or crying or pain. And you've promised your spirit to live within us and to strengthen us and to keep us until that day. And your spirit will enable us to face the challenges that you've put before us and the things that we face in this life. Help us, we pray. Strengthen our faith. Help us to lay hold on these things. Help us to grasp them. Help us to, as it were, experience the power and the glory of them. We pray this with the Spirit's help within us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's sing our final hymn, Peace Be Still. Be still, my soul, the Lord is on my side. Bear patiently the cross of grief or pain. Leave to thy God to order and provide. In every change, he faithful will remain. Be still, my soul, thy best, thy heavenly friend. Through thorny ways, these two are joyful ends.
Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Saviour, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.